Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, how are you? It's Daryl, and welcome to episode 97 of Cage Rage, a Nicholas Cage podcast. It's the podcast in which I, your humble host and guide, Daryl Edge, take you, dear listener, on the journey to a little thing I call True Cage Nirvana. And what is True Cage Nirvana, I hear you ask? Well, it is only the highest, most purest, most essential, spiritual, sexual, emotional, physical, empirical form of being that one can achieve. And how do you achieve this, I hear you ask? Well, you simply have to follow me on the journey and we watch every single movie the man I call the golden hog of Hollywood, Nicolas Cage, has ever been in. And as we near the end of things this week, we move to episode 97, where we're talking about The Croods, A New Age. Um, Returning this week is a guest who joined me for the first Croods movie. It is my other and better half. It is Kim. She's come back to watch The Croods too, and uh, join me for a little chat in this uh, little room of mine in which we talk all about the Cage films. We have a little catch-up on the films that we've watched since she was last on we talk about what pokemon i would be i discuss how i would survive a gorilla attack we talk about annoying neighbors for long-time listeners you may know what that is entailing and obviously we take some time to talk about b movie as well so uh, a lot of lovely topics covered here and i'm sure you will enjoy them all if you enjoy the episode, uh, do let me know. You can give it a, uh, a like and a follow and such on all the platforms of choice. All the links in the description down below and we'll come and check in back at the end as well. But until then, let's get right into it. It is episode 97, The Croods, A New Age. Enjoy. Ta-da. This week, 2020 rounds off with the animated sequel, The Croods, A New Age. Cage returns to voice Grug Crude, the patriarch of the Crude family, who leads his family to a technologically advanced idyllic paradise, as well as to a rival family, the Bettermans. Joining me on the journey to true Cage Nirvana to see if a new age is all the rage, or if you should just not engage... He's returning guest, but long-time lover. It's Kim, my other half. Hello, Kim. Hi. I know, but we're introducing it uh, like I haven't seen you since the last episode, which would have been about a year or something by now. But yeah, I've, I've seen you since then. Yes, you've seen me since then. Uh, name one time where I've seen you since then, just to prove to everyone that you're not here against your will. When I did not want to go to the shop about 15 minutes ago. And what was my response to this? The quicker you go, the quicker you get back. Yes, I made it all about me. <laughs> Look at that. Uh, so, when when was it the last time that we recorded? I think probably like a, at least like over a year ago. Because it was for the first Croods, um, which I'd seen before. You'd not. 
But yeah, I think it was like definitely a year ago. And how has a uh, podcast stardom gone for you now? Has that gone to your head? Has it changed you? Guesting on this nonsense of a podcast? I feel like I have sort of continued on the journey a little bit more rather than had like a stardom, I guess. I guess because obviously my socials are blocked with my career. I've not had, you know, the the social media um, like fans coming through, but I feel like I've joined you on a lot more sort of a cage journey, if you will. You sound thrilled. <laughs> you know me and my monotone voice. You sound absolutely thrilled. But you're speaking to the king of monotone about monotone voices here. So, God, so- could you imagine if we had a child? Uh, <laughs> that's what this fictional child would sound like. Just fictional. Oh, Dad, do we have to watch another Nicolas Cage film? Yes, fictional son or daughter. Um, that's about as far as my parenting would go. Be a cage night. I mean, I'd leave the kid with you. I thought you could say you, you're going to leave me and the kid. Like I can't do yeah. this anymore. No, but we did. We obviously, I would definitely go back to work full time. You weren't as quick to shoot down the idea as I thought you were going to be. <laughs> honestly. No, I wouldn't leave. And for the listener, she couldn't look me in the eye when she said that. <laughs> All right, so. Here's a question, though, for you. Family Cage Night. What film would you suggest for a Family Cage Night? Um, I mean, are you on about, like, with small children, or are you on about just, like, say, like, if we got together with your family, or we got together with my family? Uh, let's say anything goes. Um, because, you know, my, I know, like, my mum just let me watch pretty much whatever when I was growing up. She let me watch the Friday the 13th. Um... I used to be. I used to have an irrational fear for a long time that Jason Voorhees would be outside my front door. I had to like take deep breaths because I I was convinced he'd be outside the front door. I used to watch Scream, and I always laughed when she got stuck in the cat flap. I can imagine that's something you'd find funny. Yeah, I used to watch it when I was little. Yeah, I used to watch horror films. I don't know because I'd say like Mandy because it's such a good film, but then actually with all like the sex stuff, maybe probably not. I mean, not like the leather-clad bikers yeah, that's what that are snorting drugs and... I mean, whatever floats your boat, you know, but... Yeah, maybe, maybe not You something. draw the line at sex, <laughs> but heavy leather-clad drug abuse is absolutely fair play. I mean, I watched Game of Thrones with my granddad and my dad with the incest scene. That was... That was a turning point, I think, for me. So, after that... A little turning pointer, was it, for you? <laughs> I uh, did not watch Game of Thrones with any of my family ever again. I mean, may I recommend? I mean, this 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 being said, though, obviously, at the time of recording, your birthday is a week away. Obviously, oh, exactly a week as well. And I've got you like a little surprise thing that you don't know about, and listeners, I've not mentioned it on the podcast, so you don't know either. But what if? <laughs> I'd take you to this place and like, oh, it's a, it's a Nicolas Cage movie marathon. How would you feel about that? I mean, you've asked me, to, you've told me, well, you've told me that I need to dress nice. So now that you've said it. Well? I mean, we we do go on holiday like two days later. I'd, we do need to pack on the 29th, so. Meh. I can't, I can't do an all night, I'm afraid. Can't or won't? Both. 
<laughs> We've got a holiday to think about. I'm more excited about the holiday, to be fair, than my birthday. I keep forgetting it's my birthday. So what I'm, I mean, what I'm, what I'm hearing is that you don't like the idea of starting a Nicolas Cage movie marathon at nine at night and then watching Mandy to finish off at seven the next morning. That's what I'm hearing. I saw the results of when you went to do that, and it it wasn't an exciting day, so I think I'd rather tap out of that. Listen, you've either got the commitment <laughs> to the Golden Hog, as I have at this point, or... You've done all you like those posers who come in and like tap out three or four films in. You had a lot of them, didn't you? Yeah, I spat at each and every one of them. <laughs> I made them line up for an absolute mouthful of saliva. Just straight into the mouth. You make them like open wide to do it as well. <laughs> I'm not like a cruel king. <laughs> as much as I wish I was, I'm not a. Not a cruel king. Um, so yeah. what you, you'd say Mandy, though. That's... No, I was just thinking about it, actually. I'd actually probably say Raising Arizona. I think that's, that's a good, a bit... like, family one. That's a, that's a nice choice. I enjoyed that one watched. I always remember that you... I, I always, in my head, I think that you're more international treasure than what you are. Oh, no. I did not really enjoy that film. It was very boring. I mean, you don't sound thrilled talking about <laughs> it now. I think, have we been, well, I mean, the films that I've really enjoyed, Pig Pig was obviously one that I really enjoyed. Mandy was one that I really enjoyed. Um, Colour Out of Space was one that I enjoyed. Obviously, we just recently watched Connor and Face Off, which, yes, I enjoyed both of them. I mean, that's exciting that you bring that up, because, you know, that's was something I was going to... It was like basically a status report, a yearly cage status report for you. <laughs> because, um, obviously, the last time we recorded, you put it on record, on vocal record, that you would watch these films with me. Yep. Later on down the line, you lied and then <laughs> said that you'd never said that until I reminded you of the recording, which you got caught in a bluff. Mm, doubt. Doubt. She's she's gone full <laughs> L.A. Noir here. Um, pulling the facial expressions and everything. You're pulling just like the eyebrows going up, like the mouth and the jaws going all over the place. That little L.A. Noir trumpet when you get something wrong is going off. <laughs> exactly that. So eventually, I got you like a wild Pokemon, like a shiny rare bird. Why am I a bird? Why can't I be like one of the good ones? What's wrong with the birds? Oh, everybody knows the birds are shit. Oh, the... What was it? Pidgeot and Pidgeotto? Great hair. The mullet's back. I don't want to be Pidgeotto. Why can't I be something like a legendary one, or at least something like decent with great starts? Ditto. You can yeah. turn into all the things. Yeah, but still... I've, I've, just... I've only got Gen 1 Pokemon to draw a basis from. Well, if you were going to be a Gen 1 Pokemon, what would you be? No, I'd be a Haunter. Spooking round again. You know, I'd probably be like my favourite Pokemon because it fits my like moods quite a lot. A oh, gloom. Yeah. <laughs> you just walk around going gloom. Yeah, that's how I feel like I do walk around pretty much all the time anyway. I just realised we've been joined by the cat in the in the office as well. Yeah, it's just chilling. Look at it. It's a family affair. Well, Look I mean, at this. He is just cleaning himself, so there's just the licking noise. 
Yeah, if you can hear licking in the background. <laughs> but we we encourage our son to be his own person, so you know, we're not gonna discourage him from that. No, I'd be actually no, I think I feel like my personality is more in line with a Psyduck. Confused. You... Yeah. Just often confused, just walking around going, Sigh yi yi. With their little hands on the head as well. With the headaches. I don't think I, I don't really have any headaches, but I feel like if I started having headaches, it would be very in keeping character for me. Yeah, I could see you as a Psyduck. You've just resigned yourself to like sad acceptance that. Mm, I'm trying to think a, like no, I'm trying to think up. like if there's anything anything else that I feel like you like other Pokemon that you would. Uh, oh, maybe like a Farfetch'd. I feel like you'd really love to like have. Carry a leak around. Yeah, and pretend it's a sword and like hit people with it and stuff. <laughs> I feel like you'd really. Yeah, I'd really like be that. down for that. What's What's the Farfetch'd evolution? It's It's got like a. Oh, Surfetch'd, the new one. Has he got like a little top hat? Oh, I can't remember. Did I make that up? I don't know if he has a top hat. I know that the leak turns into more of like a, a sword thing. Um, a little shield. Like a little lettuce was, shield. I can't remember because like Farfetch'd and it's never been like one of the ones that I usually go for, to be fair. Oh, you've never lived. I have my usual. I remember when I had... Was it Red? I think I had Pokemon Red. Um, I... I had my far-fetched learned cut, so I'd have it cut down all the bushes. <laughs> I didn't really know what I was doing, because I, was, I don't know, I was like eight at the time, seven, whenever that came out, but I don't regret that. I'm trying to think of um, any of like the newer the newer gens that you'd be... Oh, you, the one that I always say that you'd be, the one that you hate when I always say it. Who's this? Mr. Mime. Oh, I'm not a creep. I'm not a creep. <laughs> Actually, now I'm kind of thinking about it now. He's got like a little fat body and thin <laughs> arms and legs. Oh, no. Like on, on Pokemon Arceus where I got like one of the, the bigger boys and I brought out a little one and then the big one. And um, I I said it was you and the boy together. Like a, a son and father. Just you and the boy, like little Mr. Mimes. Let me just slink back in my seat so I can just absorb this horrible news a little bit more that I'm... <laughs> Oh god! If if I ever end up with like that mime hair where it's just bald in the middle and just sprouting on the sides, take a hammer to my skull. <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's any of us. Do you know like how I always say that if I saw like ET or a minion or any walk in the street, I'll take a hammer to it. Yeah. Do that to me. End me. I mean, but then you'd just get annoyed and be like, "Kim, didn't mean it. Why have you done this?" And then you'll start victim blaming and tell me I'm gaslighting you and stuff. I don't, I don't accuse <laughs> you of gaslighting. Well why, well, why would the first thing I say to you, if you've hit me in the head with a hammer, be like, stop gaslighting me? Because <laughs> you've knocked sense out of me. Knock sense into you. I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that at all. I'm trying to think, like, still trying to think, oh, well, you liked the... Um... The little, oh, I can't remember the name. You know, like the cricket one, and it had like the little tune that went off in Pokemon Arceus. It had like a mustache. It was like the book. I was thinking of like cricket, the sport. I was like, <laughs> no. Cricket playing Pokemon. No. Oh, I know which one you mean. The little gentleman. Yeah, you liked you liked the little tune that it did. 
Oh, I don't remember that, but I imagine he was like, hello. <laughs> I wish. No, it was very high pitch and it went like... That could be anything. Is that Morse code? Were you Morse coding for help? Stop Morse coding for help. No, I don't remember that. May I remind you that you asked to be on this episode? Well, I mean, you already gave up National Treasure when I asked to be on that, so... You had your choice. You I want. Choice. You know what, I'm actually kind of glad that I didn't do National Treasure anyway. Because you'd just be bored by it. Like, yeah. I'm bored by National Treasure. Yeah, I'd probably just be sat here slating it for like a full hour. Very controversial though. Yeah, I know. I don't understand why. It's just a bit boring, isn't it? I like the first National Treasure. second one isn't as good. But I'm surprised... I didn't even know there was a second one didn't even know there was a second one. I'm surprised. We might have talked about this last time, I can't remember, but Sean Bean's in the first one, and you love Sean Bean. I do love Sean Bean. He's like your every, favourite no, actor. But every, every Northerner loves Sean Bean, and if there's a Northerner that says that they don't love Sean Bean, then they're absolutely lying. I'm Sean Bean. <laughs> like, I was sort of talking about you know, podcasts after this, and like I was considering Sean Bean for a while, and it would have been called like Sean Bean There Done That. I've been on, I'd be happily on every single episode. Can I do Silent Hill? Well, it's not happening. But... <laughs> Why? Well, because I'm doing Willem Dafoe. Why can't you do Sean Bean after? I've been about five years. Willem Dafoe won't start making films. No, that is true. Do you want me to do a side side project called Sean Bean? There, done that. I mean, even if that's just a project for me, for me to just watch all the Sean Bean films. Because you know that means I'd have to watch like thirty episodes of Sharp. Does that mean that as well that you'd have to watch, obviously, like the whole first season of Game of Thrones? Potentially, if I covered Sean Bean. Does he, does he last the whole season? Most of it. He gets up to episode 8 or 9. Spoilers, if you've not seen Game of Thrones. I mean, if they've not watched Game of Thrones, then it's far too late. Where where they've been? Like, it finished, like, two years ago. That's on them. Bastard. And then you get... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, take you off off by surprise with a little um, bastard there. I expected you to do it earlier when you did the I'm Sean Bean, but then you didn't do it, so I didn't expect yeah. you to just do it again. Nobody expects the Seanish Inquisition. Um, but we got off track, though, because the, the point was, that, well, before we went on a Pokemon-related tangent, is that now you've watched both Con Air and Face Off, mm-hmm. which is exciting. We do still need to watch The Rock, so then you've watched the three action films of the 90s, and then we can sort of assess a top three out of that. Um, the most recent one we watched was Face Off. Yes. Uh, I don't know, you preferred Con Air. I did. Um, what, what, what were your sort of, I guess, like your 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 thoughts on both of those? Well, face Off first, because I remember when I... Um, I think I tried to give you like a brief synopsis of Face Off, and that's impossible to do without confusing someone who's never seen Face Off before. I mean, obviously I've watched Brooklyn Nine Nine, and they have like a fair few references of Nick Cage like throughout that, because obviously Andy Samberg is a big fan. Um, and so I had, I did kind of get it because they run about it's like one episode um, where they're in the hospital, and the nurse says, "Oh, he keeps asking if we do the Face Off surgery here." And then, like, Jake Prottle goes, and, and do you? And she's like, no, obviously not. And he's like, oh, okay, okay. And then, so obviously I kind of never understood, I guess, that reference until actually I watched Face Off, but I kind of understood it a little bit, if that makes sense as well. I figured that there was some kind of surgery happening with faces. 
that were coming off <laughs> because of the name. <laughs> I can see you trying to connect the dots. Yeah. I mean, just like it. It's what I do in everyday life anyway. But then it had a bit of John Travolta in there. You like yeah. a bit of John Travolta? And, well, until he got a bit older and he became a bit creepy. But, yeah. He became a bit creepy. Do you not just find him, like, creepy? Like, being bald? No. Like, was it was it Scarlett Johansson that he just went up and, like, kissed on the cheek and she didn't even know that he was there? Oh, and, like, know. he touched her waist and stuff. And it was just really ho- horrible and awkward and Could creepy. Could have been Nick Cage in disguise. <laughs> we don't know for sure. I mean, either way, I'm a bit gross. Mm. But he was the night fever, so... And the night fever was smooching. <laughs> he, um... A lot of the girls fancied him as well when he was in Greece. It's my sister's top crush, even though now he's like a lot older. She still fancies Danny from Greece. He's just a just a bald man now with his yeah. the pilot license. He flies around. I do find that his acting though in Face Off was very good. Well, they had to sort of mirror each other, obviously. I feel like it was easier though for him to do Nick Cage because Nick Cage has obviously got such like a sort of personality and a style and I feel like he acted that really well but I don't feel like John Travolta has like a very signature like acting if that makes sense so I felt like Mm. that made it seem like Nick Cage a little bit weaker in the actor department but I don't think it was that I think it's just because obviously John Travolta does not have been such a good strong well not good but just a strong like acting um sort of way compared to Nick Cage. There is a question for you, and I'm sure I asked this you around the same time. But if I was involved in a face off scenario and I'd swap faces with my mortal enemy and my mortal enemy came home with my face and I think it's implied that a raw dogging happened. Now What between me and this other person? Well he's disguised as me, like it looks like me in every single way. He talks like me, he's got the voice modulator now, we have to assume that the hogs have also been swapped as well. No, I'm asking, like, would you recognise the imposter? Well, I mean, I don't think you'd just come home and immediately, like, try to jump me. I mean, if you did that, then I'd be immediately be, like, kind of like, what the fuck are you doing? Well, he doesn't, like, jumpy. He's very suave, fully, <laughs> fully erect. They're eating lobsters together. You've come back. I think the first sign is you've cooked me a lobster dinner. Yeah, I mean, most of the time when you cook... You're as hard as a, hard as a diamond. Yeah, I'd be a bit concerned. Plus, the fact that if you didn't try to like do something annoying like immediately, that would throw me off. It's like, you're not annoying. You've made a lobster dinner. And you rock hard. Something's not right here. <laughs> I think I think the thing that I'd actually bring it out most would be the why aren't you annoying me? When you come and do like little like grabs and things like that. I'm making it sound like an absolute creeper, but it's not creepy, it's just obviously I think what's happened is that I've been cancelled now. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for that. It's mutual. We're, we're both fucking creeps, <laughs> is what she's saying there. Brilliant. Um so, so uh, as far as I'm concerned, inconclusive answer. Well, I mean, as also like you know, if the guy wasn't talking about Nick Cage like twenty four seven, then that would immediately throw me off too. Yeah, if he was always talking about Sean Bean all of a sudden. Maybe I'd keep the new guy. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. So you also saw Connor. I did. Um, and you, and this I, I quite distinctly remember 
when we sort of have a, a family gathering around the same time oh, of yeah. yours, your family, to my delight, lambasted you for not watching Connor. Yeah, they did. I didn't realise my family was such an Cage fans, but apparently my cousin's named after him, so... Look at that, someone's got it, right? Yeah. I think my dad said my auntie, um, when she was pregnant, just ended up having to go like on bed rest and just watch like a ton of Nick Cage movies. No better way to do it. Bit of bed rest, bit of Nick Cage. Yeah, and then when my cousin was born, his middle name now is Cage. <sighs> oh, God, you'd want to do that if you had a kid, wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean, like, for a time, it, the, our cat called Kit, I put out the suggestion of Nick Atlas Cage. He deserves a better response than that. You know it does. No. Well, stop trying to rename the boy. <laughs> no, he's gone. He's done with it. But you preferred Connor. I did prefer Connor, yes. Were you surprised that you enjoyed it? Um, I don't know. I do like quite like old action films, to be fair. like I grew up watching a lot of them like with my dad and stuff. Um, so I think I do. My dad watches like a lot of what you'd class as either like retro um, action movies or just like really like shit action movies and stuff like that. That is just like action constantly. My dad used to watch a lot of martial arts stuff too. So I've watched, just grew up watching it all. So I think it was kind of more of a nostalgic thing for me when I watched it. It reminded me of my dad a little bit, which was nice. So a little sweet time there. A little sweet time mem mem. Mem mem memory. Mm. Uh, what was your favourite bit of Connor? God, I can't even remember. Like, it's been a few months since I've watched it. Slept since then. I'm going to ask you to think whilst I take an obnoxious swig of water. <laughs> I'm trying to think like the stuff I said I enjoyed like after we'd watched it. Did you like the bit with the bunny? Oh yeah, I was like thinking, like, what are you on about? What bunny? I was thinking of like an actual, an actual bunny. bunny. I liked the car. I liked it when his car got crushed. I think he deserved it because he was a prick. Oh the um, the, the oh Cole Meany's character's name I cannot remember, but his little car crushed. You like that? You like it when the dickheads get their just desserts? I do. I do indeed. Do I think of what else I really liked? I think it was like overall, it was just like a, a good, nice action film. Uh, do you agree with my synopsis that by the end of Conair, obviously he hasn't seen his daughter since because he's been in prison all that time. But the first time his daughter's seen him, uh, a plane has crashed into Las Vegas, <laughs> and he's covered in blood. Do you not think that'd be the most traumatic way to be oh, introduced like to your ab- father? Yeah, like absolutely, yes. I don't think. <laughs> Does she not like want to hug him though? If I remember like correctly, like in the film, and her mum like makes her. I think she's obviously a bit like scared because she doesn't know who it is. The film pen pals. And he's like, "I got you this," and then gives like the bunny. It's like, "I can only Then the like film ends, and then there's just millions and millions of dollars of destruction, courtesy of a uh, of Nicholas Cage. Sorry, the thing that I clicked on like that. Sort of distracted me then was the fact that you did the share voice, but it wasn't. It's not share. That sings that song. Yeah. It's Celine Dion. It doesn't matter. Yeah, but it's it's the same voice, though, isn't it? No. I can only. 
Like, tell me that you can think of the song now and it's not sung like that. I can you. No, you're going too quick. I can you. Yeah, that's a little bit more like it. Cher <laughs> <laughs> and Celine Dion are very different. You ever seen them in the same room together? Well, I don't know. Ah, got you. <laughs> I fucking got you. Fuck you. <laughs> um, then we we saw the unbearable weight of massive talent as well. Yes, we did. We went to an unlimited screening. Mm. Early screening. I like that the early screenings. I do. There's not many people there. To be fair, there's not many people at the cinema altogether lately, which is a bit sad. But yeah, I do like the great tickets. We get to see stuff a little bit earlier. I feel like where um. My dad's like new reviewees because we go to the cinema that much. And he'll be like, oh, have you, have you been to see this yet? And I'll be like, yeah. And he's like, tell me how I know. Is it any good? Do I need to watch it? And that but he just takes my advice now. Look at that. Yeah. Little reviewer. How many stars for Face Off Out of 5? 3.5. How many stars for Connor? Four. And Barrel Weight Massive Talent? Four. Me as a person. Hmm. Ten. Insincere. <laughs> um, but a film that we did see most recently that we're here to talk about today was, of course, it's The Croods 2, A Croods New Age. Um, yeah, we've not even talked about that, have we? Yeah. I know, we've been nattering away. Uh, it came out November 25th, 2020 in the US. July 21st in the UK. We had to wait a little bit longer. Because I remember it, us seeing it, like, it, well, not like going to watch it in the cinema, but I remember seeing like the adverts for it, and it didn't feel like it was that long ago. I remember it sort of peak COVID at the time, and it was one of the sort of the few uh, new films that came out, but then we oh, yeah. didn't end up seeing it because we had seen Crude's one at the time. I don't remember what it was we actually went to see. Yes, it must have been about a year ago. Um, I think we just ended up watching a lot of the. The reruns of things like they were showing like old films quite a lot. Yeah, we saw Back to the Future, Terminator. Yeah. Um, might have even been Sonic the Hedgehog that we went to see. I think that was earlier, wasn't it? I'm not sure. Well, because the reason I bring it up obviously these were sort of peak COVID when this yeah. came out. Um, but this little movie here was uh one that broke the 200 million dollar barrier. It was the uh first animated film to release during COVID that broke that barrier following Sonic the Golden Hog. <laughs> um, which is very, very nice, very impressive. I think, obviously, it was a film for families to sort of get out and go and see. So any success for Nicolas Cage is a good thing, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, nominated for Best Animated Feature Film at the 78th Golden Globes, but lost out to Soul. Which we watched on Disney oh, Plus. Oh yeah, we did watch that on Disney Plus. Um, yeah. I preferred this than I did Soul. Yeah, take that, Disney. <laughs> there you go, you're fucking up again and again and again. Uh, and it marked Nicolas Cage's 100th feature film acting credit as well. So all these records being broken. I don't know, yeah. <laughs> she has absolutely nothing to say about that, which is shows I've not really done my job of trying to bring Cage into this relationship. Oh, you've, you've done you've done a great job. Can we can we just can we just get that one again? But just can you just get the line with a bit more 
Enthusiasm. Hey, I bought you a life-size cutout of Nick Cage for your birthday. Which the cat has now broken. Yeah. I think it's because you were giving more attention to it than him. <laughs> and you know that he's needy. I bought you a lot of Nick Cage stuff. You're describing the actions of a psychopath. What, the cat? Me. Oh. Giving attention to a cardboard cutout. Your profile picture, if it still is, that is you with your arm around it. I don't know what you're talking <laughs> about. That's, uh, that is not true. I mean, says the man who just got a, uh, a Mandy poster book delivered today, adding to my cage, uh, my small little cage collection. It's not that small. I just want a collection like Harvey has is the, in the unbearable weight of massive talent with all the cage props and stuff in there. It is getting to that point, like, when we end up buying a house and we make the office, we're going to have to put shelves up just for all the Nick Cage stuff. You'll have to do what, like, our Porto do, um, and put, like, all the Blu-rays, like, on the wall. Yeah, as a bar by us, there's a DVDs and Blu-rays sort of decorating behind the bar. A couple of cages up there as well, they're they respecters. They've added some new ones. Um, they added Mandy last time I went. That was a new one. They are respecters of the Golden Hog, and we respect the respecters. I do like that bar. I like their attitude. I like the, the cut of their jib. I like how they hit the, the lights and they swing about. Are you describing bar stuff or are you describing cats? We don't know for sure. <laughs> um, so we watched this film last night at the point of recording and um, I think overall I would say that I enjoyed it. I'm trying to... I can't remember the Croods one that clearly but I'm trying to think... Did I enjoy it more or less? I enjoyed Crudes one more. You enjoyed Crudes one more? Yeah. Oh, I've got a dead leg because when I've crossed it. I am... Um, yeah, I just think that the storyline was a little bit better in the first one. You saw like a lot more of the... um, Like, mon- well, not mods, but like, I guess, like, animal creature... Um, animation, like it had it at the start of this film, and I was like, "Oh, like the animation looks good of all the, the like animals and things." But then it obviously changed because they found like the Bettermans, and after that, it I just felt like once I found them, it was just very like sort of one level. I think it sort of plateaued a bit when the Bettermans were introduced. Yeah, I also didn't even realize that it was Peter, Peter Dinklage that was voicing. The Dinkster. I know, didn't even realise. Little bit of the Dinkster. And he has like such like a um, noticeable voice too. Oh, we saw him in Cyrano. Remember yeah. That? It was a weird film, but strangely I enjoyed it. It was just, I think I was I was fuming at the end though, wasn't I? When they all just fucking died. Yeah, I was livid. And the whole, the whole film was like, I'm longing for your puss. <laughs> Which... And then she was not bothered and wanted somebody that was more handsome. And then at the end... <laughs> he just fucking died yeah. of sadness at the end. After she actually decided that she wanted him, he just fucking died. And I was just, I was just fucking livid. Classic man dying of sadness <laughs> before he can find love. Um, I suppose that's, that's one of, I guess, some of the different storylines going on in this. You've got... Uh, Eep voiced by Emma Stone and Guy voiced by Ryan Reynolds. They're sort of little teenage cavemans. They're talking about moving in together. Grog, not happy that the pack is being split up. The Bettermans, um, 
We've got Phil Betterman, voiced by Peter Dinklage. And I've never done that before. And Hope Betterman, voiced by uh, uh, Leslie Hope, who are, as the name implies, Bettermans. Feel they are better. Um, and I suppose that's something we can all relate to. We've all we've all got neighbours. Um, we're all someone's neighbours. I think we've all had a neighbour that thinks they're a little bit better. Who does that remind you of? Fucking Ian. Hey, we have. I think it might have been the Crude's one the last time we brought him up on the podcast. Oh, really? Oh, he's a twat. But, like, he plant, who plants lilies when he knows that there's loads of cats around and that they're poisonous to them? Like, he's just an arsehole. Yeah, so we can't really let our cat out anymore, which is a bit. He's just an arse. And he still has that stupid, like, alarm thing to try and scare the cats off. Which it doesn't scare the cats off. It's not scared them off for the past two years. But yet he keeps it on, like, the loudest volume all night so that it keeps everybody else up. And Gail left him. (laughs) We didn't even know. Fucking dropped a bomb there, didn't you? I know. I I just felt really bad. Because I'd said to you, oh, I've not seen Gail for a while. Do you think she's left? And you were like, no, I saw her the other week. And then he stops me and he was like, oh yeah, you might have noticed Gail's not been around. And I was like, oh, I didn't mention this to Daryl. And she left in fucking October. I think he was giving you an open invitation for a bang. Fuck off. <laughs> and I was on a stag week in Ibiza and you're like, oh, I've, I've got some gossip. I've got to tell you right now. I did. So because I'm... because you you were like adamant that you'd seen her. You were like, no, no, I've seen her. I've seen her. Like, I'm sure I've seen her coming home and stuff like that. And I'm like, I've not seen her in like... A good few months. And this was... So you were in a beef at the time, so what was that, May? Yes, mid-May. So we'd, we'd clear... That's how much we tried to avoid him, but the fact that we didn't even realise that Gail had left him, like, seven months earlier. Yeah, it's, it's the pros and cons. Pros, he brings the bin back in, and he's obsessed with cutting our trees. Well, he never—he doesn't bring the bin in properly. He brings it in and then blocks the pathway, even though the bin goes right next to the path. Mm, pa- passive-aggressive. You think it's a passive-aggressive bin placement? <laughs> yeah. You think this is vindictive bin placement? Yeah, I do. <laughs> you think he's up to something? Well, because he trails us up, like, up the... into, like, the little step bit that he has and he puts his but like how is how difficult is it just to if you're going to pull the bin in you might as well pull it into the actual garden instead of just leaving it to block the gate well maybe this is his betterman attitude that he thinks he's a betterman than you and i because he's got that what is it the door cam like the ring door cam oh yeah what have we got a peephole we've got a caveman technology compared to this man i don't even use the peephole we're cavemen in comparison yeah, he just, he just keep going on about his guttering all the time. See, we've got a caveman gutters. He's had his gutters done God knows how many times. He has his windows cleaned like once a week. When you were talking to him, though, as well, like, was it last week or earlier this week? And you're on about having a new job, and then he he made out that like his job was better or something. I can't remember exactly what he said. But it was not about something to do with like money and things. Because you were like, oh, yeah, my new job, I'll get, like, a bit more money. And then he, like, said that he's gone to a new store as a new manager. So now he gets even more money. Trying to one-up you. Yeah, you can't, yeah, I'm, I'm turning against him again now. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not into it. What if, you know, because he's got, like, a, he sort of shaves his heads, but if he had, like, a Betterman quiff, 
Yeah, you have one of those sort of like aqua coloured, like rock pendants. Because <sighs> he's got like a gold chain, so he's yeah, he's close. Yeah, he's nearly does. there. I'd let you drop kick him. I think maybe that like his owl alarm is the equivalent to the Betterman banana piles. Because <laughs> um, one of the sort of recurring plot points in the movie is that uh, Grug really, really wants a banana. Um, he said like he's not had one since he's a cub. Uh, Nick Cage said in an interview as well, he's like a uh, you know, he's no scientist, but I think at some level he knew that he needed potassium. Um, so maybe that is like, I have this deep physiological need to remove the owl alarm, but if I do, then I'll get attacked by punch monkeys. Is Ian the punch monkey? Or like, maybe this is the thing that Ian's been protecting us the whole time. <laughs> like, if, if the equivalent of the punch monkeys is... scaring sex cut off. Well, I was about to say, like, maybe, like, the alarm is the equivalent of the bananas. And I should clarify, sex cat was was a feral cat that used to come around the area. Um, haven't seen feral cats. Um, Will. Will feral, I wanted to call it for a while. Um, we thought it was a female in heat because it would just sort of meow, meow, meow all the time for attention. I mean, meow is, is an understatement. It screamed in the middle of the night, begging for uh, some loving. But no, it was a a male feral cat who was at full mast if you catch <laughs> if you catch my drift. So if if that was the twist that he was sort of protecting us from the punch monkeys, ergo like a giant monster like the punch monkeys are in the in the film, like a, a spiky mandrel monkey. Like, what would you do if, like, a giant King Kong-style ape just appeared behind Ian's house? I'd push him, you forward first. You'd push me forward first. Pick up the boy. Pick up the cat. Get in my car and leg it. The, by the Flintstones. <laughs> running away in your car. Grab my car keys, then. And then get in the car. You haven't thought about this at all. And I, and I pity you for that. What if I'm... Put in a giant banana costume. Hmm. I didn't like the way you reacted to that. Uh, and then the giant monkey is going to eat me as a sacrifice. And then, you know, then it's supposed to be like a crude level effort, a kill circle. What, with me and the boy? Are you telling me you wouldn't be part of the kill circle? I mean, it would just be me, the cat would leg it. As soon as we let him outside, he'll run off forever. Because as Grug says, you should never apologise for an effective kill circle. But you should apologise for a lack of kill circle. Well, it's not really a circle, is it, if it's just me? Or a triangle, then. A little Charlie's Angels triangle. Who with? Me? I'm the cat. He's got a little spear. <laughs> you've got a spear. That's not really a triangle. You need three people to make a triangle, Bobs. Me, you and the cat. You just said you're in the costume. Yeah, but I'm the kill circle's something separate. Oh, right, okay. Come on, Kim. Come on. What What would you use for your weapon? Um, My disarming good looks. <laughs> you know the microphone can hear you laughing, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm sat next to you. I can hear all I of this. I don't know how effective you think that's going to be, is all. I don't know how effective you think it's not going to be. So the monkey's going to see me and go like... Oh la la! 
<laughs> and then kiss me with his giant monkey lips. And then what when they realise that actually... He raw-dogged me and squished me into a fine paste against a wall. And how is that going to be an effective kill circle? This is selfish. You're thinking about yourself. I'm thinking about the tribe. No, how's the pack. That, how's that going to save us? Honourable how, sacrifice. How is you getting... But that's not, that's not an effective kill circle because then it's not a circle anymore. It's just me and the boy. Did it save us, though? Well, it saved me. It did save you, did it? You just said you got raw-dogged and squished. I've never known someone so ungrateful for a man <laughs> sacrificing himself to a giant ape. I mean, let's let's be honest. You're doing it more for the cat than me. You said that, not me. <laughs> I will not have that used against me in a court of law. She said that. Everyone. <laughs> we, we both do the same. Look if, if, look, if we put the, the giant ape sacrifice aside um i mean what i don't think i don't think the place ever got named what what did you think of sort of the um where is the bettermans live i suppose they sort of refer to it idyllically as tomorrow tomorrow like these characters are searching for tomorrow this kind of prophetical um sort of place which we sort we get like guy's backstory right at the start his family just Dying a tar pit. Um, it turns out the Bettermans were his parents' friends. His longtime childhood friend, Dawn Betterman, who is, you know, she's not as condescending as her parents. She's craving adventure. Um, then she gets a bit of adventure. She gets like a first scar. We were talking about you having a peanut toe like ape. Hmm. Yeah, if you'd notice. I don't think you would. Because Guy didn't notice that Eep had a peanut toe. I don't think you'd notice. And you were asking me what I notice if you had a peanut toe. Oh, actually, saying, no, but you probably would because I do like shove my feet in your hands for like foot massages quite a lot. So yeah, I do think yeah. you would. You demand you a foot massage. Very yeah. demanding for a foot massage. Yeah, I am. I, I do think you'd notice just purely because of that. But if I was just like walking about, I don't, I don't know if you'd notice. My my little toe's quite little. As most little toes tend to be. Yeah, I feel like it's unusually small. The size of a peanut, perhaps. Mm, that's what I mean. Is this where you reveal to me that you've had a peanut toe <laughs> all this time? Yes, I have. I have indeed. Oh, no. I think I noticed that you've had a peanut toe there. Um, but I suppose if, we, if we're going to sort of dub it sort of tomorrow, you know, is this very, what's it, very paradise-like, very green, full of vegetation and fauna and all these large and fantastical fruits and butterflies. Um, did you like sort of the... I suppose like 90% of the film really takes place here and it's very much focused on the family drama of Crude versus Betterman. Do you know what the family remind me of? You know the family like Get Out? What, the Bettermans? Yeah. What, you think they were they were just craving a black caveman? <laughs> Just that, like that thing of obviously trying to act nice, but actually there's like a darker thing going on behind. Yeah, you mean like the people they're keeping in the basement? Yeah. I mean, to be fair, you couldn't move for their dialogue. The Bettermans kept mentioning Africa. Wouldn't shut up about it. <laughs> it was more no like about the thing, obviously, with them trying to set Guy up with like Dawn, and purposely trying to take them away and like manipulate. Um, like the crude to get rid of Guy. 
And just like how happy and smiley they were. Anybody that happy, there's, there's something not right. Nobody's that happy all the time. Mm, happiness makes you very suspicious. It does, yeah. So you're saying if, you, if you'd found tomorrow behind this sort of giant walled off society, which um, so they, they have to assume that this is all around the same time period and that they are homo sapiens or something similar, but they've just very smart. It's a kid's film, so obviously it's not explained. They're just smart people who are there. Kim is pointing to herself. You're suggesting that you'd be a better man and I'd be a crude. No, I feel like it, it weirdly it kind of like seemed more like a, a, a class sort of system. I suppose there's definitely undertones of class that you can mm. take from it and sort of a, a class disparity, I'm sure. I associated a lot more with the crudes than I did the Batmans. Well, you think I didn't? <laughs> well, there's you with your quiff and your flip flops walking about all the time. Look, I've got sliders, which at yeah. one point I was very against, but they are uh, very comfortable for all situations. I'm, I'm, I'm turned around on the sliders. Turning middle class, absolute Tory now. Don't you dare! <laughs> Don't you ever! I mean, the only thing that I feel like Guy was correct about was obviously like personal hygiene. Hmm. Yeah. I, I, I suppose that if you're living out in the wilds for generations of crude and then you find this place that has invented the shower and the flushing toilet, as the uh, the Bettermans have. Although I suppose, you know, uh, Thunk, the, uh, the, the son of the crude clan, he discovers the window, yeah. which is basically the, the first TV. Yeah, he... Um... He liked that, didn't he? He got like pretty addicted to it. But I, um, I mean, the the flushing toilet. I've been to Leeds Ast multiple times. Who needs a flushing toilet? I mean, if I feel like if I was in in the crudes anyway, a flushing toilet wouldn't be the be all end all because, like, yeah, you know, I was there for Pooh Girl, so. Well, I was there for Pooh Girl. Oh, look at us being there at the same time. And if you don't know the story of Poe Girl, that leads 2009? <laughs> 10? I think it was 10, but I'm not sure. 9 or 10. Uh, Google it if you like. It's a fascinating story <laughs> of a woman who fell into a cesspit. <laughs> um, but my, this one was completely unsubstantiated. This was about two days after the Poe Girl story was swirling the campsite like wildfire. My my favourite follow-up rumour is that someone was dressed like Batman and watching people pissing shit in the cesspit. <laughs> Completely unsubstantiated, but I chose to believe it. Oh, I just remember when they had to come and get her out and there was like the big like, truck to take it all off. And so I didn't see Pooh Girl in the flesh. Oh, I did. I'd, I'd, I'd heard about it post the fact. Well, that was the first time I'd experienced me, babe. I don't know if that's a story to tell the grandkids. <laughs> I was there, dripping. I saw her dripping from head to toe. It wasn't. It wasn't nice. No, it was. It was a bit horrific. I actually don't know any of the festivals had toilets as bad as Leeds Fest. Um, I went to Latitude once, and someone pooed on the seat. Then there was a man. I very I clearly remember in a purple velvet jacket, who stood looking at it for about five minutes. <laughs> He was incandescent with rage, 
and he just kept saying like they've pooed on this seat it's a three they've done a number three <laughs> and like i went for my wee i left just chuckling to myself some say he's still there to this day i mean like if you've worked in nightclubs and stuff like that and you've been on unfortunately the clean up toilet duty then you've probably seen things a lot worse uh, so there's some terrible people in society and they tend to miss toilets with alarming consistency. I actually find that the girls' toilets are always a lot worse than the men's. Like, the men's smell, like, obviously worse, just purely because of, obviously, the urinals, but the women's are always uncleaner. They're a lot more, like, uncleaner. I don't know what it is about drunken girls, but they just do not know how to be clean and hygienic. I mean... Little peep behind the curtain there, little peep, a piss peep behind the curtain. <clears throat> I suppose, um, you know, speaking of the girls though, there is a bit of a, like a feminist undertone for threading this as well. There's the Thunder Sisters. Oh, yeah, I like um, the Thunder Sisters, which is the team of uh, Eep, Ugger, the mother, um, there's the grandmother, uh, Dawn, uh, Hope when she's finally gets on board, and Thunky's there as well. And there's oh, Sunday. Uh, Sandy, sort of little feral child as well. So I meant to ask, like, what did you sort of think about that? Because at this point, the the punch monkeys have broken into tomorrow. Uh, Grug, Phil, and Guy have been taken. They're about to be sacrificed. Um, and then the, the granny's very much like, you know, like back in my day, it was a female-led tribe. We didn't need no man. She's got ripping abs. She's got, like, <laughs> she's got wigasus. Oh, yeah, wigasus. Uh, <laughs> the feral wig as well. Did you sort of, uh, you know, like sort of the, the women taking the lead and sort of re- leading the rescue? Yeah, I did. I really liked the grandma. I liked the grandma anyway in the first one, but I feel like I liked her a lot more in this one. And yeah. I liked I liked wigasus. I just like the name. It really tickled me. So Fly Wiggis and then <laughs> uh, Cloris Leachman uh, voicing Grant. This was unfortunately her final sort of voice acting role before she passed away last year. Oh, really? But had a uh, a very lengthy and prestigious career in cinema and uh, acting. So, you know, not, not a bad animated film. I think she had like two films after this and some posthumous releases, but... Not a bad way to go out, Cloris. Good on you. Um, but I enjoyed Granny this. I know in the last one it was... She was, from what I remember, quite largely a thorn in Grug's side and he just yeah, was... fantasised about killing her. Yeah, that was pretty much the whole film. They were just arguing quite a lot. Um, she, He did not want her around. Kept wanting her to die, <laughs> pretty, pretty much. Yeah, he's, he's softened on her a little bit. Obviously, they're a bit more of a... Uh, a pack this time, and obviously Grug's whole thing is that he's scared he's losing a eep to guy because they're always going like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> um, then they're learning about, I guess, privacy as well and individuality, which is and all these Betterman's unofficial mottos. Yeah. Who needs privacy? We don't have any in this house. The cat comes everywhere. Well, he's just an inquisitive little cat boy. You close the bathroom door on him and all he does is scream and pause it until you let him in. Well, he's... he's privacy creates independence, which is sort of what Phil Betterman says. Why are you making me side with the Bettermans? <laughs> you're siding with the boy. The better boy. The the, the Betterman boys. 
but no, I, I like the Thunder Sisters. I was going to ask you as well because when they are sort of creating the Thunder Sisters, they're giving them all like the code names as well. Um, and I didn't note them down. I can't remember a bloody single one of them. No, um, it's like Sunset, something Sunset, which was Dawn's. Grands was like leader of women or something like that. Yeah, but it wasn't spelled like women as normal. It was. It was like W I M M I N. Women. <laughs> women. Like, would would you have a code name? What do you think yours would be? I don't know. I'm trying to think of like when I did you the poster and I made obviously the um, JoJo one of what I called the stand. I had the the sleeping one. I can't remember what I called her. If it's. Oh, it was Madame Snorette. I wouldn't have that as my code name, though. You wouldn't want a code name that would just immediately dispel <laughs> any illusion of your usefulness to the to the tribe. Yeah, yours was stinky bitch. Yeah, stand. So, would you have that as your? It would be my first choice. <laughs> I don't know if it'd be in the top ten. I don't know. Well, have you got one for yourself? Um. Double D, Dangerous, Delicious, Dynamite, Diamond, Boy, Daryl Edge. You already have that name. You already used that. Why can't I use that again? Because you have it for something else. That's just that's just a cool guy's name. But, you know, we just, the lads call me down the allotment. <laughs> What's the other one? Big D. No, it does begin with the D, though. It's properly, it's like gone. I mean, I don't know if you actually use that for you. I can't remember. It was like Do two. Why do I have another name that I've forgotten about? You used to do it like all the time, like when we first got together. Dickie Dangler? Yeah, that's, that's yeah. That. Oh, he's, he's the old Victorian wrestler. Oh. Just slaps himself and he goes, Let's have a dangle then. Amongst other things. Because then I remember you had like the mask as well. I do own like, a wrestling mask. Do you, do you actually still have that? I do. I think I've got like a picture of you wearing it and you're like trying to push your tongue through like a gap. Oh. <laughs> oh no, the cat doesn't like it. <laughs> no, the cat does not like it. Hi. You don't like it when I wear the mask. You forget who I am. <laughs> this is what we mean that like, the cat comes in. He has a little scream because it's been 10 minutes since he last had a little scritch. Him <laughs> chirp because I, I touched his back. He had a little trill. He's very needy. And do not be do not be sort of confused, doesn't he? He's been fed. He's had attention <laughs> all day. And he's scurried off again. He just doesn't like it if any if Daryl basically gives anything or anyone attention other than him. But you were saying like if oh, I can't remember the, the name of the, the cat in the film, they sort of ride it around like a bloody oh, Jeep. Yeah. Like if our cat was Jeep sized, you asked me would I Ride the cat like Eep and Dawn do to go and jump over things, and the answer was yes. Don't waste my time with silly questions. You know I would. You don't even have to ask. And then my response was, "What would I say to you?" Stupid boy. No, it was Daryl get off the cat. Uh, <laughs> Leave him alone. <laughs> and I said, "Absolutely not. Not going to happen. I'm going to jump stuff. I'm going to jump your car. It's only small. It won't be difficult. I jump not over, more at Ian. Yeah." Jump at Ian's car. I was like, oh. Land on it. I was like, oh, no, Ian's in the cat's mouth. Oh, <laughs> what am I to do? Swat his little door Probably. camera. 
Play that hole. Yeah. Shove it up his bloody arse and watch it ring then. Um, but I, f- I feel like he would take, you know, the, for for a time they're trying to convince the crudes to leave. You think yeah. you think that's something Ian would do? He would do a Phil Betterman, take me to his man cave sauna, and then basically gaslight me into convincing that it was into convincing me that it was my idea to leave when it was his the whole time. Yes, absolutely. Didn't even hesitate. No. He's just got that personality, hasn't he? I'm not yeah. surprised girl left. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. Scathing. Scathing review. He's just such an arsehole. And it's like, everybody thinks that we're being so harsh about him, but then when anybody meets him or spends like, time at his house, they're like, oh no, I completely understand where you're coming from now with him. Like the Christmas lights. Them fucking Christmas lights are just... I wouldn't even mind if he had like grandkids and stuff, but the grandkids don't even come. He does it for himself. It's like fucking Blackpool Illuminations every fucking Christmas. Who needs to go to see their light light switch on? We've got fucking Ian's. It's just... Well, that was the most northern you've been in this <laughs> hour so far. I tried to rein what, it in. You know, if if you saw Ian in like the Punch Monkey lair, um, and they go through, there's a lot of variations of Punch Monkey. There's Punch Monkeys, Kit Monkeys, Headbutt Monkeys... Uh, there was the monkey with the weird eyes who just goes oh, oh the creepy one that's the just like you. waves you said the little <laughs> creepy wavy one was me good one um, there was a low blow monkey amongst mm. various others which of the monkey variations would you like to see low blow you want to see the low blow monkey just going to town on Ian's bags just speed back in his marble bags absolutely until the swollen like juicy plums mhm you lads go on about it all the time, how much it hurts. I don't know why I thought you were just going to say something entirely different then. <laughs> you lads go on about your bags all the time. Yeah, you do. We're always talking about <laughs> our bags. Yeah, pretty can't, much. You can't get enough of it. Um, which, it gets, I suppose like the end of the film as well, obviously, when everything's resolved, because I felt like Phil had taken the water from the mountain, and that meant that they... There was no water for the monkey society, and then all the bananas left. That's when the, the giant monkey came. Then they get all that solved. Grug and Phil talk out their feelings, become like best bros, best banana bros at the end. Um, yeah, banana bros, that was my note that I made Bro-nana, there. Bro-nana, yeah. Bro-nanas. So they have an absolute bromance at the end, which, now I'm not going to start a bromance with Ian. I don't think that's going to happen. You've already got one going. Not with Ian. You have loads of bromances. I'm a very bromantic guy. Yeah, you've got like a brom- bromance triangle. don't know how you'd say that. With you, Joe and Fred. You feel that they like bromance. And there's you and Kieran. When you get together. Hmm. You and Callum at the moment. I'm a very, very bromantic man. You are. You are indeed. You just like people. I'm a people person, what can I say? You're like the... I don't even know if you are like an extrovert. You are in certain situations, but other ones... Like, when you, when you meet new people, it takes you a while to kind of come out of your shell. What's what's the halfway point between intro and extrovert? Mm. Vert? 
Yeah. I'm a vert boy. Are you I'm a vertebrae. I feel like I'm definitely more like introvert. I feel like because my job makes me an extrovert that when actually I do go out, I don't want to be an extrovert. I prefer to be to you've, myself. You've done all your talking at work. Mm. Yes. I have to pretend to be happy every day while I'm there. Oh. Mm, speaking of little introverts, <laughs> so Kat's trying to get onto the desk. Hi. He's on. Kit, you want to say something to the uh, to the listeners? No. If you can just hear him pouring past now, he's... He had a little sniff of the microphone there. Hey, Bubs. And, oh. and he fell off the table because he's a silly, slippery little cat. <laughs> um, but everyone's happy at the end. Grog and Phil are making bronana bread. Guy and Epa sort of back um, back to the loving ways. They get a, get a literal room together. Um, the punch monkeys are living next door. What would you rather live next door to, Ian or the punch monkeys? Punch monkeys. Even though there's a chance they could slap me in the bags. That they could turn at any time. She's it's a really big smile that she has <laughs> on her face right now. Anything's better than Ian. Like we've already like, well when we're about like buying a house and saying like why don't you buy the one that we're currently living in? And literally one of the only reasons is because of fucking Ian. I don't wanna live I don't want to live across from him. For like years. Scorn, scorn, scorn. Hell hath no fury. Like Kim Janess scorn. I feel like if you went through the stuff that I went through during lockdown with him, you'd understand. <laughs> but you were still in the office most of the time. You do make it sound like you're like a regular sword fight or a gun fight. Who like he would power wash his deck every Tuesday at the same time. Like who does that? I bet I'm in with the schedule. Fucking psychopath as well. A psychopath with the schedule. It's very annoying. I mean, if nothing else for the past hour, you've you've very much stated your case. <laughs> that you that you do not like the I man. Don't, I don't like him. Um, well, so yeah, but I think as we were saying at the start, I think Crude's two for me. I think Crude's two in general was sort of the sequel that no one really asked for and I don't think it is as good as the first one but I'm not unhappy about it, quite a stacked cast I think it's kind of a middling script but it is propelled by some very good cast performances Mm. you can sort of feel the cages and mannerisms animated into Krug when he's delivering his lines. Oh there was like the screaming bit um, with him I can't remember which, which section it was now when obviously um Nick Cage does a does one of his famous screams. And I looked at you and you were very happy. I'm always happy when Cage delivers the goods, baby. <laughs> um but Cage did describe the movie as a big box of happy, so it was gonna deliver some smiles, especially in sort of the COVID period. And I don't think he was wrong. I think there's definitely some smiles to be had here. I think the thing that I was very confused at is why was Jack Black doing like the soundtrack for it when he had no part of the film? Yeah, Jack. Well, like, I'm fairly certain it's Jack Black just turns up on the end credits singing like two songs. Yeah, I mean, we, we obviously turned it off. I don't know how many songs he sang. I think in COVID, just celebrities were very available. 
<laughs> I mean, he's, I don't think he's actually done like any just singing stuff for a while, though, has he? Because obviously he went on to more acting. I think he's largely retired from a lot of stuff now. Yeah. He's 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 done his share. Um, speaking of shares in blue, uh, the budget for this was 65 million box office, as we said, over 200 million, uh, 215.9 million in total of dollars. That is dollars. Um, this did have a sequel as well as like a TV series sequel called the Crude's family tree. Um, only Kelly Marie Tran, who voiced Dawn returned from the main cast. It was all sort of voice actors or sort of similar impersonators. Um, some phony taking the role of Cage, who will go unnamed. I mean, they, they did something similar with um, How to Train Your Dragon, but most of their cast actually came back. I think it was mainly only Gerard Butler that didn't come back to do it. Was he the voice of Toothless? No. <laughs> he was the dad. I didn't realise that was Gerard Butler. Yeah, um, with his normal Scottish style accent. I think it's Scottish. He's, sure. he's a Scott as well, but yeah, yeah. But I think like most of them, because I well, there was two series. They did two di- uh, different series for House Strange Dragon. One was really shit. The other one though was quite good, which was like um, Riders or something. It was called, and it lasted for about four or five seasons on Netflix. And that was actually decent, which was the one that had like majority of the um, cast come back. I'm not seeing any of the. Uh... The Crudes TV series. They did, it was like a prequel TV series to the first one, then yeah. the first film, second film, then a sequel series. But I think it's nice with the kids sort of orientating films. There's a lot of scope you can do with them. And if they did a Crudes 3, I think I'd have the same opinion as Crudes 2. Like, I don't think there needs to be more sequels, but I wouldn't be unhappy if they did one, if the story was right and if the cast came back. I think they will, just to kind of like move the story a bit forward, maybe with like. Guy and Eep. Geep? You shipping Geep? <laughs> yeah. I think they've got to a point, obviously now in their relationship, where they've taken it to like the next level, and I think the next thing will be little babies, maybe, to come. Some little cave babies. Mm. Some little... I, I don't even know what sort of cave names they've got left now. Bleep. <laughs> Blop. Yeah. The nicknames that you call me. Eep is one of them. Yeah, I've eep chew up, eep sleep, sleep, beep, beep, oobleep. It's just fun little, fun <laughs> little silly noises. I'd prefer you to call me any of them than like Baben. I thought you were like, I'm just begging you to call me my actual name. No. Yeah. I don't want you. Well, I mean, you don't even call me my normal name correctly. You say Keem. You're Keem Blejanace. You, yeah, you ever go do it like that. Or you do like the bleh. Got to keep it interesting. You know, got to keep it interesting. Um, They mentioned a different director for this one as well. Um, He's directing the upcoming Puss in Boots movie. Directed at least one of the Trolls movies. Was a story artist on Kung Fu Panda Trolls and B-Movie. Oh God, B-Movie. What do you mean, oh God, B-movie? You put some respect on B-movie's name. It's just a weird film, isn't it? B! <laughs> What's the deal with B's? Ding, 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 
It's a woman who falls in love with a bee, basically. I just don't think your mind's open enough to these <laughs> ideas. Have you ever fucked a bee? Ding 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 I haven't watched it in ages. Yeah. Is that the next one you want to watch? Well, I mean, you know, if the studios weren't cowards, then they'd give us B-Movie 2. If Seinfeld wasn't a coward, he'd give us B-Movie 2. He'd give the people what they want. You call it B-squared or something. <laughs> You'll have to, like, start a petition. A petition. A position. Yeah, can't speak. Or find where Jerry Seinfeld lives and well, just go, buzz, buzz. It's, it's been a very long hey! day. <laughs> I've had a very long day. My brain's broken. Plan B. <laughs> oh, that'd be a good Plan one. Plan B, which is what yeah. that human will be on when she's fucking the bee. Winning <laughs> <laughs> ding, 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 I think that's a, a tremendous high note to sort of start wrapping up the episode on. Well, I suppose then, as ever, what would be your um, your final thoughts on the Crude's New Age? It was it was good overall. I enjoyed it, but I do enjoy a lot of animation. I think coming from an art background, I always tend to appreciate a lot of the um, animation a lot more just because I know the difficulty in doing it and how much work and effort it takes. And I do feel like the animation was very, very good. Um... I just wish there was a bit more of the sort of creatures animal animation because I really enjoyed that from like the first one and it wasn't as obviously strong um, in this one. But yeah, I think the storyline was better in the first one. The cast were very good and the voice acting was also very good. It was so good that you didn't even know Peter Dinklage was in it. Yeah, I mean... I saw like his name. Oh no, no, I didn't see his name because when we put the DVD in... And it came up at the bottom before you press play, and it said like the gag reel. And I saw him down at the bottom, and I was like, "Oh!" So I knew that he was in it, but then I just didn't pick who who obviously was voice acting. You know who else is dinky? Bees! Ding 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 ding. <laughs> um, but what? Kim wipes the tears from her eyes at uh, the, the <laughs> at the hilarity of B movie. Um, so I know last time, because I always ask guests at the end, where can we find you on the socials? Obviously, for all intents and purposes of this podcast, you technically don't exist on socials. I mean, it's not that like I don't exist. It's just that, yeah, like, my, all of them are private just because I work with children and they're nosy and they will try to find me. That They have tried to find me, should I say, more on uh, social media. And they will fully admit, they're like, I found you on Instagram last night. I'm like, that's creepy. So that is why nothing is open, because children are stalkers. What a positive note to end <laughs> on. Uh, and as we sort of wrap up and come to the end of this episode on The Crudes and New Age, um, I thank Kim. Thank you for joining me. We'll do it again next year. We'll skip, stick to our uh, one-a-year schedule. Um, what for Willem Dafoe? He's got a lot of movies. Why are you making me wait a year? Tradition, isn't it? Well, I'm looking through the list and I'm bags in stuff now. Kim, 
have some decorum. Hey! <laughs> Uh, we come to the end of the episode. Thank you, Kim, for joining me. I'm sure we will migrate downstairs to watch some TV in a minute or so. I've got a dummy air. I'm going out tomorrow. I was so tempted to shout B, but I can't do it. I can't, <laughs> I can't push the bit. I can't push the bit. Um, but we will catch you in the next one. Uh, but until then, as ever and always, keep on, keep on caging. It's all you have to do. Thank you, and take care, and a goodbye. And there you have it, episode 97 in the history books. Nicholas Cage's third sequel, all done and dusted, uh, and what a lovely episode it was. I hope you enjoyed it, and if you did... Uh, as I mentioned at the start, you can find all the links in the description down below. You can find me on Twitter at cage underscore podcast. You can find me on Instagram at cage rage pod. Uh, you can find me on TikTok as well at cage rage podcast. And I'm on all the usual uh, podcasting platforms of choice, Spotify, Apple, Podchaser, uh, everything outside and in between as well. If you enjoyed the episode, uh, please consider giving it a like, giving it a follow. It um, really helps the podcast grow and helps more people find it. And now you've got nearly 100 episodes to go back on, which is uh, a lovely idea, isn't it? And um, coming up to 100 episodes now, we've got three episodes left. Grand Isle, Pig, and The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. So we're nearly caught up. The finish line is touching distance away. It's exciting. It's scary. We're almost there. We've almost done it. But we've got some corkers lined up for you and it's going to be a lot a lot of fun um so yeah enjoy the episode if you haven't already share it around like it and follow it um if you're so inclined and follow us on the old socials it's the place to bloody be we will catch you in the next episode but until then keep on keep on caging it's all we have to do Yeah.